Thanks, Ray. Well, good morning, church. How good is it that we get to gather today as God's people? It's always a good Sunday when we can do that together. A special welcome to you if you're new with us today. Plenty of new faces today. Uh, I'd love for you to uh, come along and join us for newish afterwards, where we, we'll shout you a coffee. You'll get to know us a little bit better. We want to get to know you, actually. That's the biggest thing. Uh, my name's Iggy. I'm one of the pastors here. I've never met you, and it's um, yeah, really great uh, to see everyone gathering here today. Now, we're up to our final, uh, final sermon in the book of Colossians. It's been a fantastic series. I've loved it. I've, really, I've seen it to the team, let's just do it every year. How good is Colossians? Uh, such a great book. Uh, so next week, uh, we'll be starting a short two-week series in the book of Psalms called A Call to Worship. Uh, so we'll be looking into the Psalms, great songs of praise to God. And then we'll be having our Easter service. And then after that, we've got a new series coming, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, one of the most important series we do. It's a topical series. What is it? Well, you'll find out very soon. I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys know very soon. All right, so leave, uh, keep your Bibles open. This is all about God's Word. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to be looking into God's Word. Colossians 4, um, the final part of Colossians. Uh, before we get into it, uh, let me ask you a little question do you know what Jesus' last words were before he left this world? Do you know what they were? Well, Matthew 28 shows us what his words were. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Last words are important, aren't they? They normally show you know, what's on someone's heart, what's actually important. This is what Jesus cares about. This is the mission that he's left uh, for us, his church, as he's gone to heaven and before he returns. This is the mission that we have right now. Um, I don't know if you realize this. Uh, maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian. So great that you're here with us today. Um, I, I want to point this to you and show you this is what Christians are on about. This is what God's church exists for, the mission of Jesus Christ to make disciples, to help people know Jesus, to help people grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And as we think about this big mission, which we uh, articulate in this church as making devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory, as we think about this mission, I wonder if you've ever stopped to think about what your role is in this mission. Maybe you have, and maybe you've come to the conclusion that it's actually nothing, or not much. Maybe you think that this is a mission for the paid pastors like me. It's a mission for the gifted leaders in the church. Um, And we're we're here, but this is their mission. It's not really mine. Or maybe you think that your role is big, uh, that you have a key part to play in God's plan, but you're not exactly sure what that looks like. Whatever it is, whatever conclusion you come to, you need a conclusion. You need clarity here. Because what, what you think your role is in God's plan will actually change the entire course of your life. It will change the way you use your time. It will change the way you use your energy. It, it will change your life. Because if God's got a plan for you, then it changes everything. And today, as we think hard about the role that God has for us in His mission and part of His team, we're, we're going to look into the Word. And yeah, I hope that will be encouraging for you. This is our final slide from the book of Colossians, our series called Boundless Treasure. 
Uh, it's been so good digging into see how good Jesus is. Uh, we've seen Jesus Christ lifted high, glorified as the great supreme ruler over all. We've seen how good the gospel is and what the hope it is that it gives us. We've seen that um, we have new identities as citizens of heaven that transforms everything. We're new people now in Christ, completely transformed lives. And as Paul concludes, he goes through a list of eight fellow workers in the gospel. And he's got a, he's got a bit of, um, he's got some admin and logistics to get through, yep. But there's a greater purpose here for this section. He wants the Colossians. He wants us also as his readers today to grasp that when it comes to God's mission, when it comes to making disciples, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. But the first thing I want us to think about is this. Who's on the team? Who here, hands up, don't be shy here, who here has ever tried out for a sports team and didn't make it? Yeah? Anyone? Yeah? All right. Yeah, that was definitely me in, in, grade, um, in grade seven. I tried out for the school soccer team, Mansfield Primary uh, the school soccer team, and I didn't make the cut. And I was devastated. It, that meant that, you know, I don't know what it was, uh, maybe I just didn't have the skill or the speed or the knowledge of the game. Maybe it was all three. I don't know what it was. I didn't make the cut. Uh, I didn't have what it t- took to be up to standard there. Now, I wonder, when it comes to God's team, if you've ever thought about what does it take to make the cut on God's team? What does it take to sort of meet the standard of being on God's team? Well, as the Apostle Paul talks about his fellow gospel workers, we will see that the standards are very high. But at the same time, this team is for everyone. What do I mean? Well, let's have a look together. Have a look at verse 7 with me in your Bibles. Have a look in your Bibles, verse 7 with me. If you don't have your Bibles with me, you can just listen along. Verse 7. Tychicus He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. We see firstly here in these first few people that Paul talks about that what it takes to be part of God's team, the key thing firstly, is godly character. Godly character for Tychicus. Tychicus, it says this, he's described as a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. For Onesimus, he's described as a beloved brother who is faithful. And this theme continues on. Faithfulness is key here to be part of God's team. Hands up if you've been in a team in your workplace or at school or a sports team or something where someone didn't pull their weight. Okay, Oh, lots of hands this time around, right? Someone who just wasn't reliable, who didn't do their part on their team. Now, if you can't think of that person, maybe it was you. But we won't go there. We won't go there. In any case, I think it's easy to see how damaging that is when that happens. The impact on everybody else, the impact on the rest of the team. It affects everyone. How much more so does this matter when it comes to something as important as God's mission in this world? Being faithful is the first qualification that is needed. Faithfulness. What does that mean? That means that you are trustworthy, that you are reliable, that you are someone that can be counted on, that you aren't flaky. I wonder, is that your reputation with your friends? 
This is a virtue in our world, even, but this matters to God because the stakes are very high when it comes to God's mission. It really matters. I'll skip forward with me to verses 16 and 17. Really interesting verses I want to point out here. 16 and 17, right at the end. Have a look. Let me read. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that you also read in the, in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, this tells us something, um, which is quite interesting to note here, that this letter which we're reading today, was actually intended for that purpose. Paul wanted this letter to be read out through the churches. He, he, he knew that this letter, that God would be using it as scripture. So all the churches all over the place are hearing this letter. And did you notice here, there's a very specific instruction to poor old Archippus. He's being singled out. Every church knows that he has important ministry responsibilities that he should fulfill. Um, it's like us posting to our Facebook page and saying, hey, when you see CP, make sure he service leads well this weekend. That's what, it, that's what it's saying here. See to it that you complete the ministry you received. Everyone is saying this to Archippus. Why is, why is this in here? Well, this task is important, isn't it? It matters whether it's done or not. There's accountability, accountability here. There's an expectation from the work of, that the work of making devoted disciples of Jesus, that that's done faithfully, that you follow through on this. But let me tell you, that faithfulness only comes from one place. It only comes when you are convinced that it's worth it. When you are convinced that it's worth it. Let me ask you, when your friends flake out on their responsibilities, right? when they don't turn up at the place that you agreed to turn up on, when they don't finish their part of the group project, why do you think that is? It's because they don't care enough about it. They don't think that thing is worth it. Isn't that right? You will only be faithful to something that you think is worth it. And this section has lots of examples of that faithfulness and that conviction right here. Colossians 4 verse 10 says this, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings. So let me just focus on this line. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings. Aristarchus, where is he? he well, he's in jail. The Apostle Paul tells us earlier on, he's in chains because he's declaring the gospel. And Aristarchus, he's in exactly the same boat here. He's in chains with declaring the gospel. When it comes to these men, there was never a doubt, there was never a doubt that they would be unfaithful, that they would sell out Jesus. Why? Because they had a deep gospel conviction that nothing else matters. A deep gospel conviction that was so deep that they they would hold on to it, even if it meant that they were thrown into prison for it. You wouldn't doubt their faithfulness. And this conviction, friends, this conviction that the gospel is worth it, this is what is needed to be part of God's team. That's what's needed. What it takes to be on God's team is faithful character that flows from gospel conviction. Let me say that again. What it takes to be on God's team is faithful character that flows from gospel conviction, a conviction that Jesus Christ is worth it. Do you believe that? Friends, when we don't fulfill our responsibilities to God, this is what we are saying to Him. We are saying, you aren't important enough, God. We are saying, your mission doesn't matter that much, God. We are saying, I 
have better things to do. That's what we're saying, isn't it? Friends, faithfulness, it really matters because God's mission really matters. Faithfulness matters. Whether that's in the little things like turning up to church on time and friends, we can do much better here turning up on time to love one another and encourage one another. Please, I urge you to do that. It's a little thing, but it matters. Faithfulness matters when it comes to reliably serving in your ministry team, turning up when you, on the weeks that, you, that you're rostered on, you know, actually doing the things you're asked to do. Faithfulness matters when it comes to encouraging those around you that we actually follow up and help each other. Faithfulness matters. But that only comes when you're convicted that God's mission is worth it, that you think the gospel's worth it. Friends, is God's mission worth it to you? Is it worth it? What does your life say about that? And we have a warning in this verse about this. In verse 14, have a look at verse 14, just one line. It says this, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. We all know Luke as the writer of the Gospel of Luke and also the writer of the book of Acts. Um, But Demas is a sad story. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.10 says this. Paul's final letter, we hear this. Demas... Because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Because he loved this world, has deserted me. One of the team hasn't stayed faithful to the mission by the end of Paul's ministry. He hasn't stayed faithful to the team. Why? Why is that so? Because he loved the world more than Jesus. It's just one line, but it's a sobering reminder of what matters and the danger that comes when we don't keep the gospel central. Faithfulness to God's mission is vital, reliably holding fast to this cause. Don't let this be you. Don't be a Demas. We've seen there's a high standard for God's team. But let's get on to the second part. But it's also a team for everyone. Let me read some verses to you. Uh, verse 9. Um, Uh, I'll read through a bunch of verses and just take note about who these people are. So verse 9, He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. And skip forward, verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha in the church in her house. Now, who are these people? Well, Onesimus, he was a slave. You can read about him in Philemon or Philemon. I don't know. I never know how to say that. Yeah. Onesimus was a slave. We have Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus called Justice, the only Jews on Paul's team. Everyone else was Gentile. And we have Nympha, a woman here, Why do these people matter? Well, these are people from all different walks of life. People with diverse backgrounds on any given day would have nothing to do with one another. Did you realize that? Jews and Gentiles, they hated each other. They couldn't be in the same room with one another. Slaves, well, they were looked down upon, weren't they? They didn't have any value in society. And women, they did not have a high status in society. Yet these people are all playing on the same team. And they all belong. 
And what binds them together is not their status in society. What binds them together is not their ethnicity, their background. It's not their skill set. Some were encouraged, some were some welcomed, some hosted church services in their home. The one thing that unites them together is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what binds them together. You see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what job you have or don't have, what skills you have or don't have. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you believe that this mission to make disciples is the most important thing in this world, then you belong on this team. You belong on this team. So friends, I'm talking to you today. Don't ever question your value to God's team. Don't ever doubt your role in God's mission. Just because you aren't up here preaching a sermon or playing music, it doesn't mean you don't have a valuable role to play. <clears throat> you know what is one of the most dominant images in the Bible? It's, it's the body for the church. It's one of the most dominant images for the church, the, a body. And do you know how bodies work? Or well, every little part makes a big difference, doesn't it? The smallest cell makes all the difference if we're seeking a healthy, growing body. So fellow believers, fellow members of the team, it's time to lace up your boots. It's time to step into the game. Yeah? God's got a role for you to play here, a valuable role, and you can make a big difference here. And I'm talking to every single one of you here that trusts in Jesus as your Lord. So, how can you help? Paul gives three big commands for God's team members in this section. There's three big commands, all right? And the first task is this. Team task one, pray. Pray. Have a look at verse two with me. Colossians 4, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Part of being a devoted disciple of Jesus is devoting yourself to prayer. Devoting yourself to prayer. How are you to pray? Well, the first thing is to be watchful. Be watchful. What's this mean? It means to be alert, to be looking out. Keep, keep a, I think the first way that this comes about is you keep a lookout for prayer needs. You're like a prayer hawk. You're looking for opportunities. When you're having conversations with people, you're saying, that's something I should be praying for. That's something I can be praying for. When you hear about things happening in this world, your first response isn't indifference or uh, a practical you know, like, how does this affect me? It's more of a, how can I pray for this and bring this to God? You're looking for prayer opportunities. You're being watchful in it. But I think there's another aspect to this too. The second part of this verse talks about being thankful, right? This is how you pray. Be thankful. And I think that thankfulness comes when? Well, it's when you realize that God has answered prayer, right? So you need to be watchful for the way that God is actually answering prayer in your life. How is God actually working? So often when things turn out well, if you're anything like me, so often when things turn out well, you forget to thank God for them. You forget that this happened because you had been praying about this for the last few weeks, and you know, but now it's all good, so you know, maybe you've forgotten that. And when we forget that it's actually God working as He answers our prayers, we don't give thanks to Him. We don't give thanks to Him like He deserves. Be watchful for prayer opportunities, but also be watchful for how God is answering prayer in your life and give thanks to him 
But what, what are we supposed to pray for? Of course, you can pray for anything. Pray for your exams. Pray for that car park in the shopping center lot. That's fine. You can pray for that, right? Because God wants to hear our prayers. I'm being, I'm being serious about this. Pray for everything. But if we're talking about God's mission, I think we need to think a bit bigger, don't we? Have a look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Think about the situation this is happening in. Paul is literally in prison. He is in prison because he's been proclaiming the mystery of Jesus Christ. The mystery is this, that Jews and Gentiles, that everybody can come together and be saved. That's the mystery. He's in prison because of that. And what is he praying for? I'll tell you what he's not praying for. He's not praying for a more comfortable prison cell. He's not praying that he may be released straight away. He's not complaining to God about how much he's suffering. He's asking for people to pray for him that he would have more opportunities to tell the gospel. Right where he is. Do you notice that? This is his prayer. He's praying for a door to the, for the message of God to be opened. He's, he's asking that people pray for him, that he might be clear when he speaks about Jesus Christ. Even as he's locked up in chains, all he can think about is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right there, right where he is. Wow. And these prayers come because nothing else matters more than this to Paul. He knows that nothing else matters more than getting people into the kingdom of God and growing them to be more like Jesus Christ. Friends, as you pray, I wonder how much of your prayers are gospel-centered prayers. How much of them are gospel-centered prayers? Are you praying for your friends who are lost to know Jesus Christ, that God may soften their hearts? Are you praying for unreached people groups around the world that the gospel may reach them? Are you praying for gospel workers as they seek to make disciples of Jesus, that God would sustain them? If I'm honest with you, I think, for me, that would be less than 10% of my prayers, if it makes it in there. One of the most important, one of the vital ways that we can be contributing to God's team is prayer. This is the fuel that is fueling God's mission. Right? This is what is driving it. Continuous, steadfast prayer. That's what it's talking about here. Continue in prayer steadfastly. Continuous, steadfast prayer for other members of the team so that they will keep going. That's what's needed, friends. Here's my challenge to you. Um, we have nine mission partners currently at this church. Um, if I count it rightly, uh, we'll, we'll hear from Jane and Steph later, which will be really great uh, after this uh, sermon. But I, I want to give you a challenge here. Are you ready for the challenge? I want you to pray for one missionary partner a day. One missionary partner a day. Yeah? For the things that Paul has outlined as he bear, at, at the bare minimum, pray, pray that God will open up a door for the gospel for them. Pray that they may speak the gospel clearly. And even better, subscribe to their newsletters, get a monthly prayer point so that you may know how to pray for them. cpchurch.com slash mission. Mission team, this, this is free for you, this one. So cpchurch.com slash mission. 
you can subscribe to all the prayer points for these guys and actually hear about what's happening in the mission field, both overseas and locally here in Brisbane as they seek to make disciples here. And you can pray for them. Could you imagine if we all started doing this? Just imagine. 150 prayers, give or take, every single day, extra, 150 extra prayers for our mission partners as they toil in the work of the gospel. Do you think that would make a difference? I think that would make a difference. I think that could make a huge impact on God's mission. Imagine that, that extra prayer. The power of prayer right there, because when we pray, God works. The first task for any team member on God's team, pray, pray. The second one, walk, all right? Verse 5 says this in the NIV, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, I like the ESV here. It's coming up on the scene. It literally says this. This is what the words are. Walk. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. You aren't just called to pray for others to speak the gospel, but you've got to step into the game yourself as well, friends. The word, the word here, walk, implies that all of your life, when it comes to outsiders, meaning those who don't yet follow Jesus, that, that all of your life is part of this. The walking means your life is a witness to them. Uh, that means acting in kindness, compassion and patience, like Colossians 3 tells us. That's a huge difference in showing that the Christian life is good. Um, and in your school, I wonder, in your home, in your workplace, are you known for these virtues? Are you the one that people would say, that is the kind, compassionate, patient one with self-control? There's something different about that person. Are you that Christian? Are you rep- representing Christ with how you act? Living this way, putting off the old self and putting on the new is making the best use of the time. Um, who here likes to be productive? Hands up if you like to be productive. Who here likes to be productive? Yeah? Most of us do. We feel much better after a day where we feel like we've actually hit the goals that we've set rather than we spent three hours binge-watching some Korean drama or something or gaming for five hours straight, right? You feel much better when you're productive. Well, God's Word is telling us something here. If you want to be productive, if you want to make the best use of your time, do you know what you do? Christians, listen. You spend it with your friends who aren't Christians. That's what I'm saying here. You see that? Making the best use of your time. You spend it with your friends who aren't Christians and you just love them as a person. <laughs> That's what I'm saying here. I'm, really con- I- I'm personally convicted about this as I went through the passage because let me tell you, that's not how I think about making the best use of my time. So friends, it's time to check the calendar. It's time to schedule in that coffee, uh, that dinner, that catch-up for a run, whatever it is, with your friend, whatever it is. This is vital in making a difference in God's mission. But evangelism isn't evangelism unless you speak the gospel. No one is going to be saved because you are a nice person. Okay? Verse 6, have a look at this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What does it mean that your speech is filled with grace? It could mean that um, your speech is gracious, like you're really patient and forgiving and um, warm and kind in that sense, and I think that's really important. That's what we're called to. But I think it's actually pointing towards something bigger. The grace of God. Because think about it. This is what the Apostle Paul is on about, this entire section. 
the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is grace? It's an undeserved gift. Grace is like, is grace is like one of you coming up here and punching me in the face and I give you a big hug instead. It's completely undeserved. Why do you deserve that? Well, you, you wouldn't. But it's an act of love that's amazing and doesn't make much sense at all, does it? A free gift when you've been hurt. And this is what God has shown us in Christ. We have offended God and wronged Him so much, ignored Him, done what we wanted to, just turned away from Him. But He loves us as a response to that. Guess what? He gives us new life in Christ, despite what we have done. And this is a gift available to everyone. Everyone who trusts in Jesus. Tell me, do you think you deserve to have the Son of God die for your sins? Do you think you deserve that? None of us do. But that's what we get. And that's grace. This is the message we carry to the ends of the earth. Our speech is to be saturated with this. What did the passage say? It said, full of grace. That means overflowing with God's grace because nothing else, nothing else is more important than this. And when we do this, our conversations are salty. Have you ever had a chip that was missing salt? Have you ever had one? It's terrible, isn't it? Just like, it's just bland, it's uninteresting, it's a soggy potato. It's, what is it? It's, there's something wrong with it there. Our speech is not to be like that. Our speech should be interesting. Our speech should be provocative. Our speech should be unique as Christians. Our speech should stand out from everyone else as different. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. Our speech should make people think. One of the things I often do um, when I talk to my friends who aren't Christians is um, I like to learn more about how they think, their worldviews, what they believe, um, and I like to, you know, just gently ask questions about that because it gets them thinking about things, and that's the first step. Um, you know, I've asked people, this seems cliche, but I've asked people this before. I've actually asked my friends, what do you think the meaning of life is? Tell me, what do you think the meaning of life is? Good question, yeah? What do you think the meaning of life is? And oftentimes they'll reply something to me like, um, I think the meaning of life is to be a good person. Then I might reply and say, oh, okay, cool. What does it mean to be a good person? Like, who defines good? Um, and... We start having a conversation about that. And we start to have a salty conversation. We start to go a bit deeper because it opens up opportunities for the gospel to be shared. Your conversations are different. I want to urge you to do something, brothers and sisters. I want to urge you to not be afraid. Don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid to engage in deeper things. In fact, we need to do this. We will never win the world for Christ if all we talked with our friends about is work, uh, good restaurants, and property. Do you think we'll win the world for Christ like that? To make a difference in God's mission, you need to walk in wisdom and have conversations full of grace. But you have one final task. This is in assist. Remember. The very last command of Paul is a little bit unexpected. Have a look at verse 18 with me. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. 
This is the final command, the f- almost the final thing that Paul says in his letter. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Why do you think Paul wants his readers to remember his chains? I'm going to get you guys to talk about this. You're going to participate right now. Turn to your neighbor, and I want you to ask this question to each other. Why do you think this is the final thing that Paul says? Why do you think that Paul wants his readers to remember his chains? Go, you have two minutes to talk about this. Go. Go. You got to do some work too. Let's go. friends let's bring it back together let's bring it back together I'm sure you've answered the question now perfectly in that one minute that I gave you but hopefully that's a good chat to have it's an interesting question to ask isn't it out of all the things that Paul could choose to finish his letter with he finishes with this remember my chains why does he do that I think there's a few reasons for Paul to end like this firstly I think he wants us to remember that being on God's team is not easy it's not easy when Jesus calls up to take up our cross to follow him, what do you think that means? It means be prepared to die for the sake of the gospel. You are dragging your own cross. You are preparing for your own death. There's suffering in store here. It means get ready to suffer, to even lay down your life for your King Jesus Christ. Friends, church isn't a luxury cruise liner meant to keep you comfortable on the way to heaven, right? We are here in church. You, know, you can think about being part of God's people, being part of His churches, being on a lifeboat, sent out into the danger to rescue as many as we can before Christ returns. Dangerous territory every single day so we can save as many as we can. And it will be hard. And as things progress here in Australia, let me tell you, maybe it won't be so weird that Christians get thrown in jail for proclaiming the gospel. You might not think that, but... You might not be that far off for that, friends. Uh, I vividly recall the story of a few years back. Um, I was at a conference and uh, there was a speaker from um, uh, a firm that represented Christians in the workplace. Um, a few years uh, back in South Australia, there was a university student who prayed for someone in his class, right? Uh, someone who was struggling. So he prayed for this person in his class. Um, and the person said, thank you, da-da-da. Some other people found out about it as well. The next day, he gets called to uni- the university uh, office, 
right? And he's wondering what this is all about. And um, what happens is that he gets suspended from university. He has disciplinary action put on his uh, academic record because he was found to have caused an unsafe environment, an unsafe learning environment for questioning people's beliefs. This is a real story. This is just a few years ago. These things are happening all around for us. Be prepared to suffer, friends. It is not easy to stand out to live for Jesus Christ. But remember this. The gospel is worth it. The gospel is worth it. The whole letter of Colossians, I've never heard Paul whinging or complaining. Have you heard? Did, do you ever see any whinging or complaining here? It's actually quite the contrary. He's overflowing with thanksgiving. Isn't that weird? He's stuck in prison and he's overflowing with thanksgiving. I'm quite rebuked by this. It doesn't take much for me to complain. I don't know if that's you. Um, to feel angry or to feel hard done by. But Paul here, he is so thankful. He's thankful for the work of the gospel in the Colossians. He's thankful for opportunities he has to speak the gospel, even in jail. He's thankful for his fellow workers in the gospel because why? nothing is better than getting to serve Jesus. Nothing is better than getting to serve Jesus. So friends, remember Paul's chains as you persevere in the mission of Jesus Christ. When things are hard, remember his chains. When you feel like giving up, remember his chains. And remember the chains of countless Christians, brothers and sisters around the world who are also imprisoned and suffering in the worst situations, but also rejoice, but they, but they are also rejoicing because they get to serve Jesus their King. Pray with watchfulness. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Have conversations filled with grace. Remember the chains of those who suffer in the gospel. And know this, there is nothing more important than the mission we have. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the team. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the work of the gospel. And we are blown away, but you would include us in this. People who are so imperfect and frail and who fail often, yet you use us to help people know Jesus and to have eternal life. What an incredible privilege we have. Help us to see that there is nothing more important than this in the world. And may we live in a way which shows us every single moment of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.